The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to P.I.'s Declassified, an inside look at the world of private investigators. Your host is Francie Kaler, a noted private investigator. Francie and her guests take you behind the scenes and into the genuine, sometimes gritty business of investigation. You'll hear stories from the trenches with plenty of surprises. Here's your host, Francie Kaler. Good morning. Today I'm introducing you to Mississippi private investigator Richard Brooks. He's worked tirelessly to achieve PI licensing in the state of Mississippi. Good morning, Richard. Good morning. Thanks for being on the show today. Well, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Well, you have such an extensive background. I know you were in the Air Force, um, in the Air Force Police. What did you do after that? Oh, gosh. Uh, Well, I was active duty Air Force Police. uh, I mainly worked uh, nuclear weapons, but uh, when when I got out, you know, I bounced around... uh, for, for a little while, and I eventually went into uh, the sheriff's department. I worked in the jail, and then from there, I started my career in civilian law enforcement. And what does that mean, civilian law enforcement? Well, you know, I just say that to differentiate between oh, okay. military, <laughs> military police, but, you know, I was active duty military police uh, for four years, and then I became a cop. Uh, you know, I worked for uh, the sheriff's department, uh, two sheriff's departments here, and then I got hired on with the uh, Jackson, Mississippi Police Department. I went through their academy, and I worked the street, uh, and I did a little work in uh, narcotics, and, you know, I did various roles while I was on the street. And I, then I, I think you did more than a little work in narcotics, based on what I read. Well, at the, at the city police department, you know, I was assigned to vice narcotics temporarily, but for the most part, you know, I was learning how to be a street cop, and I was a field crime scene technician, and a field training officer and that and and things like that and then from there I went to work for the state I went to work for the Mississippi Bureau of Narcotics and I was a state narcotics agent uh, and it was there that I learned the ropes of uh, you know working dope and working undercover uh, and I stayed there uh, and left law enforcement in 2001 and became a private investigator okay alright and then uh, you must be working for someone else for a while is that what you did uh, when working for someone when you came out of because I know you founded your your current agency in 2006 oh yeah yeah I apologize you know, I'm from Mississippi so sometimes you have to <laughs> slow to me uh, I, that is correct I, I left uh, in 01 and I you know worked for various I started out in nursing home investigations I worked uh-huh. for a company out of Florida I just sort of fell into it by accident I wasn't the least bit interested in it but uh, they were pay- They offered so much more money than I'd ever made as a police officer, which was not difficult. Uh, so I started doing that, and uh, I worked nursing home cases and, and for you know a few years. And tort reform hit, and that just killed that. 
uh, thankfully, because that's not you know a, a, a good uh, industry for a PI, I don't think. But uh, I left there and just fell into insurance fraud, and insurance fraud was my claim to fame for for several years, and still is. We still do uh, a lot of it. I do different things now personally, but most of my people, that's what we do, insurance fraud. I see. Whether, whether it be surveillance on the workers' comp side or claims uh, or SIU work. Okay. All right. Well, I know you're, you are very passionate about private investigators being licensed. Um, well, a lot of good has done me, but that is a correct. That's an accurate statement. That's an accurate statement. It, okay. it didn't start out that way, but that's correct. So, so I'm, getting I'm getting echo, echo I think, from, from, from your, your end, end over, over there. there but that's, you, a Miss, that's a Mississippi echo. I'm sorry. That's a, that's Mississippi, a Mississippi echo? echo. <laughs> well, I'm getting, I'm getting a lot of back, back, actually. actually. Uh, what do you what think, do you think most, most people's, people's opinion, opinion is, is of a private investigator? Oh gosh, I think they think uh, they're quasi law enforcement. You know, they 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 think uh, pl- private investigators are you know like cops. They think they can do things that we can't do. Uh, or those who watch TV, you know, think that uh, you know it's I don't know the Rockford Files or you know or Magnum PI or something like that. Most people don't understand that PIs are private. You know, we work for people. We we can't just go out and and uh, jump on a case or, you know, uh, mm-hmm. and, and most people think we do a lot more criminal work than, than we do. You know, a lot of people think we can, you know, we work on the side of the prosecution when that's not the case. Those, mm-hmm. those guys are the, the cops. But uh, you know, I just don't think most people realize that PIs are, are private. We have to work for somebody, you know. Somebody has to hire us, retain us, pay us. Right. And why do you think licensing is so important? Well, you know, it's it's important to protect the public. You know, years ago when I was working as a PI, I didn't think, uh, you know, it didn't even cross my radar. It wasn't something I was concerned about. You know, over the years, I've been licensed in nine different states. Uh, and Mississippi, my home state, was just one, one other, you know, one license I didn't have to worry about. It's something I didn't have to pay for. Mm-hmm place I didn't have to worry about getting continuing education you know I wasn't concerned about it at all so you know I I worked all my states and maintained my licenses and over the years because of the expense you know I I would drop drop a license here and there it just got too expensive for me but when I became the president of uh, the Mississippi PI Association I started out as a secretary uh, and then I became the president I realized that we've got a serious problem here Okay. I mean, we were getting applications from convicted felons. We were we were getting applications from you know uh, pe- pedophiles, people on the sex registry. You know, we were getting applications from PIs from other states who couldn't get licensed in their own state. So what they do is they open up shop in Mississippi, mm-hmm. and uh, then they want to trying to legitimize themselves so they'll try to be a member of the MPIA. So just doing a little checking, we were able to find that out. So I quickly uh, had the bylaws changed to Mm -hmm. where, you know, now to be a member of MPIA, well, now there's a lot more requirements. But back then, we started implementing background checks. You know, we started having to do background checks on anybody that wanted to be a member. Uh, And and the problem, you know, I just saw firsthand the problem became worse. I mean, 
if somebody was in Alabama or Florida and couldn't get licensed over there, well, they come to Mississippi. Interesting. So that that's what started all that. And uh, and you know, I'm from Mobile, Alabama, originally. Okay. And uh, uh, my matter of fact, my license number in Alabama is twelve. Uh, <laughs> wow. And I'm a, I'm a member of the Alabama PI Association, and I'm active over there. And, you know, for years, I would always meet PIs who would say, oh, I just work Alabama, Mississippi. I just work Alabama and Mississippi. And when I hear that, you know, a, a flag would go up. Okay. You know, that would always set my radar off because I knew that those are the non-licensed states left in the southeast, and that's where PIs you know, that's where they would work. And I would always hear, well, you know, they're never going to pass licensure in Alabama, Mississippi. Well, they did pass it in Alabama. And then we started to get an influx of PIs from Alabama coming over here because they didn't want to get licensed. Uh, so what I did was I took Alabama's law and tweaked it based on the many years I've been doing this and the many licenses that I've held. And I wrote uh, my own law and set out to get it passed. So what... Uh, what obstacles have you encountered? Well, the obstacles I've encountered is this is Mississippi. And Mississippi uh, is not, they're not only the, tend to be the last and everything, but, uh, you know, I found out when I was at the Capitol lobbying for this bill that uh, one of my arguments is we don't want to be the last ones to pass this law to protect the public. Hmm. Well, that, that was incorrect thinking because in Mississippi, they sort of see that as a badge of honor. You know, we don't go with the flow here. We, we do things our own way and our own time. So telling them that you're going to be the last to pass this bill really did nothing in Mississippi. They just don't think this law is needed. I was told specifically from a representative that we do not get people banging down our doors complaining about PIs ripping them off or unscrupulous PIs. We just don't get that. Mm-hmm. So why do we need this law? And uh, I said, well, did you have people complaining about massage therapists? Because they're licensed. Cosmetologists? Because they're licensed. And he said, okay, I got to go. You need to get out. So he threw me out of his office, and that was the end of that conversation. But uh, there, there's a whole host of occupations that are licensed in Mississippi. PIs aren't one of them. And it's just not something that is on their radar. It's not something that they need. And, and specifically, I'm told that the governor... And I, I've supported our governor, but our, the governor has made it clear he wants no new boards and no new licensure. Mm-hmm. Uh, and my bill calls for the establishment of the Mississippi PI Regulatory Board and that all PIs be licensed. Well, he doesn't want that. Uh, so he, he, for the past two years, I've had a bill one t- once in the House and once in the Senate, and they both have died. But, you know, they, they've tried it before. There was a guy before me back in 07 that tried to get a bill passed, but his, his reasons reasoning for that was flawed, uh, and, and it died as well. So what is your legislative process there? How does that work? Is your, it's your, is your legislature in session all year, or is it just a couple of months? How does that all work? Yeah, it's not all year. It's, uh, you know, just a few months, uh, you know, in the winter at the end of the year, and uh I, I I drew up a bill, and then you know you've got to get it you got to get it sponsored. Uh-huh. Uh huh. So uh, last year I went to my representative, member of the House, uh, and I got him to sponsor it. And he's actually the chairman of the Judiciary A Committee, where the bill's supposed to go to the Judd A, and then Judd A 
We'll bring it up for a vote or not. And then if it comes out of the Judiciary A, it goes to the floor. Well, you know, I'd never done anything like this. So I went to the House and started lobbying, and I met a lot of people. And, you know, uh, I was just in shock. Most people do not believe that PIs uh, are non-licensed in this state. People just assumed. Mm. Oh, I thought if you're a private investigator, you were licensed. I mean, everybody else is licensed. PIs aren't licensed? No, no, they're not. So I went, I went and I lobbied for it, and I got uh, a Caucasian Republican and an African-American Democrat both signed on to that bill. Okay. okay. I had bipartisan support. Uh, my representative brought it out of Judd A. It went to the floor, and that bill passed the House unanimously uh, the first time around. And I did news interviews and radio shows, and, you know, people were just shocked. Mm -hmm. uh, unfortunately, when it went to the Senate, it went to the Senate's Judiciary A, and they never brought it out for a vote, and it just died right there. Uh, and I got a call from a representative who said, well, what you don't know is the governor has told us he doesn't want any new boards and he doesn't want any new licenses. So this year, I said, all right, well, I'm going to be smart because I know the House and Judd A., the chairman, support this legislation. I'm going to work the Senate. Mm -hmm. So this year, I got my senator to sponsor the bill. And I spoke with the chairman of Judd A. in the Senate. And he was all for it. Uh, so they, they drew up the, the legislation, and it was going to pass the Senate. It was going to go on the floor. Well, what they did... They stuck it in an obscure committee called the AET. I, I call it obscure because I'm agitated about it. <laughs> uh, the, uh, the AET committee is the uh, Accountability, Efficiency, and Transparency Committee. I'm told just a few years ago, the lieutenant governor created this committee. For any time there's going to be a new board or something like that established, you know, make sure the funding is there and all this kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. So it went in the AET committee, and they never brought it out. It died right there. So it never made it to Judd A. Well, well I'm, not, I'm not, again, I'm yeah, still I'm getting, still getting uh, feedback, uh, feedback from, from your, your end. end. Um, um, I don't understand, understand how they, how can't, they can't bring out the bill, out the for, bill a for a vote. What is that, how, does that, how does that work? Well, they don't want to bring it out for a vote because they don't want it to pass. Uh they're I mean, not required, required to bring the bring boat out? out? That's, That's crazy. crazy. No, no, this is Mississippi. We're not required to do anything. Uh, and, 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 you know, the, the, the powers that be, uh, they, this is just not, they, they, don't, they don't want it to pass. I mean, you know, they, they put it in AET to kill it. I, I, I was contacted and told, hey, you should uh, write a book, 100 Ways to Kill a Bill in Mississippi, mm -hmm. um, which is probably what I should do. But... The alarm industry, I've been contacted by people in the alarm industry as well. You know, security guards are not licensed here. Really? We, really? We, yeah, we've got convicted felons. I mean, there's been cases, even when I was a cop, you know, we've arrested security guards who are convicted felons. And, you know, that's, that's why they pay security guards $8 an hour here. Uh, and, and so I was contacted a few months ago uh, by somebody who said, can you put this in your bill? And license them, too. And I said, God, no, I'd never get that thing passed. I mean, the security guard industry is much bigger than the PI industry here. There's a lot of security guard companies here, and they certainly don't want this to pass because they don't want to license all their people, and they don't want to pay, you know, uh, competitive wages. 
now there there is a couple of there's one large PI. Uh, uh, Richard, hang hang on just a second. I just got a notification from the engineer on the show. We need to break for a quick second so we can fix this problem we're having with the feedback. Okay. Okay, we'll be right back, folks. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Need to hire a private investigator? Ask for their professional association affiliations. When an investigator asks Francie Kaler about associations, she says to first join a state trade association. Francie belongs to the California Association of Licensed Investigators, or CALI. It's the largest association of its kind in the world. CALI's main focus is networking, training, and legislative advocacy. If you need a detective in California, contact CALI at cali-pi.org or call 1-800-350-CALI. For a national association, Francie's choice is the National Council of Investigation and Security Services, or NCISS. For over 35 years, the council's primary mission has been to represent its members before the United States Congress and governmental agencies. Find the council at NCISS.org or call 1-800-445-8408. NCISS and Cali are great places to look for a qualified private investigator. Tell them you heard it from Francie on PIs Declassified. Tune into the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your questions. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. listening to P.I.'s Declassified with Francie Kaler. You can call into the program. We'll take questions and comments at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You can also email your question to Francie. Send it to francie at pisdeclassified.com. Now, here's Francie Kaler. You're listening to today's topic about licensing private investigators. I believe we got the technical difficulties taken care of while we were on the break, so we're back with Richard Brooks. Uh, Richard, you were talking about that uh, the security guards aren't even licensed in Mississippi, and I find that amazing. Oh, yes, ma'am. Uh, that is correct. Uh, there, there's no licensing for security guards. Uh, now, what they have to have is uh, uh, a gun permit. You know, they, they have to go to the highway patrol. And and they have to get a permit to carry that weapon while they're in uniform. Uh, they issue the permit immediately. It's good for six months. Um, and you know, I think in order to to carry the weapon, uh, they do a background. But as far as being a security guard, there's no 
there's there's no requirements. And I just had somebody on Facebook contact me a couple of days ago and said, oh, well, we run all our people through IRB and TLO. Uh, and I'm actually uh, right. Why don't you tell folks what that is? Yeah. Uh, I'm actually writing an article about that, background investigations. But, you know, IRB and TLO, the, these are databases where uh, PIs use to locate people and, uh, you know, to do background checks on, on those folks. And and uh, companies hire me to, to do that all the time. But those databases, uh, they, in Mississippi and in a lot of states, they are not going to catch misdemeanors and they're not going to catch felonies uh, unless, you know, it's like a state felony or something. You know, if I run somebody and they've been arrested by the Mississippi Department of Corrections and they've served time, it'll be on there. Mm-hmm. But if they've been arrested for, you know, uh, stalking, assault, domestic violence, you know, none of that stuff is on there. So mm-hmm. when people call me and say, hey, I want you to do a background, you know, I tell them the, the only surefire way to catch everything is to go to the courthouse. And the county in which they live is really the only place you can start. And you have to pull those records by hand. You know, uh, and in Mississippi, a lot of those records are, you know, in book form. And when you're going through the pages, the pages come out in your hand. So IRB and TLO and tracers and, you know, all these searches, they're not going to find that stuff. They're not going to catch it. Uh, When I was a when I was an investigator at a law firm for three years, we did a, a huge case where this guy ran over our client and gave him brain damage, and and uh, the company said we did a background on him. Well, uh, I, I checked his background through IRB, and I found one charge, uh, possession of narcotics. Well, that led me to believe he probably had more. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I visited the courthouses and the counties where he lived, and when I was done, I had three pages. Uh, three pages of all types of charges, misdemeanors, and some felonies that was not on those databases. So those databases are, are just not good enough. But you know, people don't want to spend a lot. People don't spend the money to send a PI to the courthouse and do that by hand. They want to spend, you know, fifty, sixty, seventy-five dollars to just do that. So it right. comes with a, a warning and a caveat. But in Mississippi, uh, security guards, private and private investigators don't even have to have that. All that is required in Mississippi is a business license, and you can go down to the, you know, the courthouse, pay twenty dollars, and get your business license, and nobody cares who you are. I mean, you could have killed fifteen people, and you know, you can get a business license. They they don't care. Uh, but to pass legislation to license security guards, I think would be a massive undertaking because there's a lot of security companies here that pay their people nothing, uh, whereas P, there's not that many uh, PI companies in the state. Mm. Uh, okay. We we have a huge problem with PI firms coming in from out of the state. Uh, and I've been contacted by them. Uh, I've been contacted by them saying, "Why do you? Why are you doing this? Why are you rocking the boat?" You know, because they want to be able to come and go right from the state, whereas we can. I just lost a case in Tennessee. Uh, I, the case was in Mississippi, but the target was going back and forth from here to Tennessee. Well, I can't go to Tennessee. Uh, I let that license go uh, because I didn't go up there that much. I don't want to pay for it. Uh, and a Tennessee investigator, licensed investigator, can come and go into Mississippi, but I can't. I'm not licensed there, and we don't have reciprocity with anybody because we don't have license to have reciprocity with. So, 
you know, it, you lose jobs and other companies come in and take advantage of it. But, you know, the, the, the big reason for licensing is to protect the public from unscrupulous PIs exactly. or from PIs with criminal backgrounds. Yeah. And the state's just not concerned about it, and of course, until it's too late. Right, unfortunately. Now, so um, have you been able to gather possibly uh, stories from, from consumers where they've been built by a private investigator, the un- unscrupulous guy that uh, you can use for, or have come testify at, at, in front of the legislature? Have you been able to do anything like that? Yeah, a, a little bit. I mean, uh, the Clarion Ledger, which is our largest, the state's largest newspaper, uh, yeah. they, re- they actually wrote an article uh, along those lines, uh, and I was in the article uh, uh, last year, and it talks about cases, about PIs who uh, defrauded people or scammed people. It even talked about one one guy who actually fled the state because he was being sued. Uh, and, and in addition to the articles that are out, I get calls all the time because I've been the president of the Mississippi PI Association. I'm now the immediate past president. Mm-hmm. But I get calls all the time about people saying, hey, this PI took my money. He didn't give me a report. That's a big problem in Mississippi. No report, no contract. Just took the money and didn't do anything. And they want to report them. And they think they can report them to me. And okay. you know, I try to explain to them, I'm not with the state. You know, I'm, we're in a private association. There's nothing I can do about it. And, you know, and I, and I teach when we have our association meetings, ethics, and things like that. But I get calls not only from consumers complaining about PIs, but I get calls from PIs who have no clue as to what they're doing. And they're asking me basic questions that really frighten me, (laughs) you know, about what they can do and what they can't do. And it just goes to prove that these people shouldn't be doing what they're doing, or they should at least have some kind of training. But... Our legislature, I don't. There, there wouldn't be. I, I don't think there's a method for people to come uh, testify as to uh, y- you know uh, problems associated with hiring really? PIs. Yeah, I, I don't think they would. They would even uh, uh, allow that. I, I, How about writing letters? Would that would that make a difference? Yeah, that would make a difference. You know, the and and, and I've been told that you know you've you've got to get all your members on board and and. Most of our members are on board, and they have contacted some legislators. But uh, legislators, but the you know big problem is, even though the PIs, especially the ones in my association, are for uh, legislation, they're cautious as to what the legislation right. is going, is going <laughs> <Yes>. to say. <laughs> uh, a good example is what's happened to me the last two years. I'll write a bill, and I'll tweak the bill, and I'll turn it in. Uh, and I know what needs to be in that bill, you know, because I've been doing this a long time, and I've been licensed in a lot of states, and I'm a member of several associations. And then the legislator will take that bill and gut it and put in there what they think they needs to be in there. Mm-hmm. And then when they get through with it, the PIs don't support it. I, I have gone to battle with people over continuing education. You know, I, I mean, I've just had it up to here with that. Uh, just about every state that I hold a PI license in has continuing education. And, you know, that that's great. Uh, I always go to classes. I really enjoy going to classes, especially when I go to associations. And, and you know, because you're always learning a lot. 
But PIs absolutely hate required continuing education, and every state wants so many hours. And in my bill, I took it out. And I took it out because, you know, Florida doesn't. Florida's the third largest association in the country, and they don't have continuing education. Either does California. California doesn't have it. And I took it out because I already get it in Louisiana, and I already get it in Alabama. Uh, And, of course, the... the, uh, Legislator, they they put it right back in there. You know, they want 16, 24 hours, whatever. And, you know, I've had some PIs tell me, we're not going to support that legislation. And then when I try to talk to the the senators and the representatives, they're like, well, we don't care. If they want it to pass, it's going to have it. So, you know, that's just one sticking point to try and get PIs to to, uh, push for license. Number one, you're asking them to pay for licensing. And you're asking them to, you know, to right. go through go through all this stuff, even though there's always a grandfather clause for existing PIs. But, you know, when you start trying to get people to push and make calls and show up at meetings, you know, it, it's a struggle. It, it, it's a struggle. It, is, it is a struggle and a struggle that I've uh, should be used to by now. But, you know, if I could get them to pass, you know, what I put out there. Uh, I, I think we would have a lot of success. But, of course, you know, you never get everything you want. Well, Richard, we have uh, Dean Beers has, is on the line with us. Uh, Dean, are you there? Is, Hi, Richard. How are you? Hi. Good. Hi. Dean, uh, I don't know if you two have met, but Dean, Richard, Richard, Dean. Uh, Dean was one of the ones that spearheaded licensing in Colorado, and I'm sure he's relating to everything you're saying, right, Dean? Oh, yeah, I've, I've been listening to Rich. Yeah, we haven't formally met, but we've been sharing some ideas and information, and it's good to talk with you. Yeah, and, you know, Francie, you're familiar with the battle we put up with, and, and you were helping along with a lot of other friends and colleagues. You know, and the last part that Rich was talking about was, was this idea of continuing education, which we all need support, but it just doesn't it doesn't fly with the licensing. So, and, and that, you know, as much as we want it, uh, and think we needed it. It just doesn't work out, and um, that's why we don't have it here. Maybe down the road, but and then the the legislators, you know, gutting the bill. That's just frustrating because we do know what needs to be in in, in a state licensing bill for that state and those people. Um, we did finally get one passed voluntary a few years ago. That didn't pan out uh, because. Colorado has a unique fee structure. The program has to be self-funded, and because there was low uh, enrollment, the fees were became very high. But then we were able to uh, work with the same legislators and get uh, them to support a bill that uh, went through and became mandatory, and we're getting ready to wrap up our first year, uh, June 1st, and we have our leg- VP of Legislative Affairs, Andrea Roscoe, she just sent me that we have 570 licensed PIs, uh, some from out of state, most in Colorado, and we weren't expected to have, uh, some said between three and 350, and Dora set the fees based on 400, so we're pretty pretty ecstatic about that. But it was years of hard work. Colorado was the f- first state to have PI licensing, and it was one of the first laws passed when Colorado became a state. Um, wow. And it lasted 100 years. And in 1976, the, it was repealed uh, in the legislature and became effective in 77. And that's when PPIC, the Professional Private Investigators Association of Colorado, was founded by some people that 
wanted to see licensing again, and that's been the effort since. Um, we were strongly opposed by PIs that did previously support it, um, and that became our our actual one of our actually biggest battles. But um, you know, Rich, you, you've been working hard. We've been following. We've been supporting. Um, our national associations, NCISS, and our state associations, PPIC, and and others have been supporting you guys. And whatever we can do, it's but it, it is a tough battle. You know, there's people that think there's too much government intervention, but then you mentioned the issues with ethics and following the rules, and and PIs not knowing what they should know. And you know, we have that. And, um, there was just a report yesterday that there's been five reports to our state licensing uh, board uh, with some sort of violation. So not as high as it might be. I mean, that's 1%. So we think that's pretty good. Some of them, one of them is a, is a supposed ethics violation, which I'm waiting for the report, but I don't personally think it's an ethical violation. I think it's somebody that just got upset, which is a problem we have to deal with. Oh, um, yeah. But, you know, yeah, whatever we can do. I mean, you, you, you've been on the right track. It's just when those legislators gut and rewrite it, you know, so, then you end so, up opposing your own bill. Yeah. So, Dean, go back a second. You mentioned DORA. Would you tell people what DORA is? Oh, I don't- DORA's a, yeah, DORA, that's the regulating agency in Colorado, the Department of Regulatory Agencies, DORA, okay. um, that oversees all the professional licensing and there's no general taxpayer funds that can go to licensing, so they all have to be funded. So attorneys, having thousands of attorneys, have lower fees than PIs. Um, but with 570 PIs, you know, we expect to have even lower fees this time around. So our fees are adjusted every year based on the number of, of uh, licenses issued. Oh, hmm. that's an interesting concept. That, that is an interesting approach. And, you know, it's funny you say that because when I first met with my representative who sponsored my first bill. That was his knee-jerk reaction. We do not have enough PIs in Mississippi to fund this to fund this board. Because, you know, I, I try to be, uh, you know, pretty, pretty far-reaching. I, I wanted the establishment of the Mississippi PI Regulatory Board. And they said, we don't have right. enough PIs to fund it. How many PIs do you have? And I said, well, that's a great question. We have no idea. There, there's no, there's no registry. There's, I mean, right. how am I supposed to know? He, he said, well, how many members are in your association? I said, well, about fifty. But I mean, you know, keep in mind, this is the same argument Alabama had. They said you do not have enough PIs to fund it, and Alabama's now, I don't know how many, they over three hundred and fifty or something like mm-hmm. that, because you know they don't understand. We're going to have PIs from out of state too that come over here and have to work here. Uh, and, you know, and, and I also um, put forth the idea of privately funding the board. You know, Alabama's PI regulatory board is privately funded, which means, you know, it's, it's streamlined. It doesn't cost the taxpayers a dime. They hired a private company to run it. Uh, mm. And, of course, you know, that company didn't, didn't work for anything for the first few months. I spoke with the executive director. Uh, they wanted letters of recommendation from different associations. So I'm a member of COLE, the Council Association of Leaders, and I got letters from all over the country, uh, including Ms. Francie there, uh, and I submitted it to our legislature, which obviously they didn't care. Uh, but a- as part of my letter, it was to privately fund that board the way Alabama did. Mm-hmm. And one of the uh, representatives told me, we don't do that here in Mississippi, son. <laughs> We, we don't Son. privately fund <laughs> boards here, boy. 
Um, you know, they, they want to be involved in, in everything. Uh, but yeah, that's definitely the argument I was given. You don't have enough, and you know, and and then it was we're going to have to put you under another, uh, under a, another department. You know, how, how about Department of Public Safety? Or how about the Insurance Commission? And and of course, you know, I, I I was Mr. Flexible. You know, I said, look, I don't care where you put it. We just all we want is background checks. You know, stop the flow of convicted felons, unscrupulous PIs, people who can't get licensed into Mississippi. That's all we want. Just do a background right. check. You know, grandfather the PIs that are in existence now, uh, and and that and of course once they got it, you know, they put all that other stuff in there. But uh, and so the next thing we're going to put it under the insurance commission. So I met with the insurance commissioner, and at first he was for it, and then later he was against it, and then you know once he got against it, that that was it. It was over. Uh, and I was just told a few days ago that somebody asked the uh, Speaker of the House about it, and he said it's not going to pass. So I believe as long as the current administration, which is frustrating because I supported them, mm-hmm. as long as this current administration is in, that we will not have a law in Mississippi. So, Dean, how did you – What? How? oh, you know, we're going to need to take a break pretty soon, but, but how did you – uh, gather your support because I know you had to go outside of Dora to 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 pa- get it passed because I know you had struggled with it for years. It was denied several times before you actually got it passed. Right. Yeah, the first hurdle was that Dora needed to provide a report that said it was necessary, and it and it wasn't until the first licensing passed that we got because because there was uh, they found a reason to have it. Prior to that, they didn't find there was any reason to have, including consumer fraud and stuff. Um, but then we had to gather those names. I mean, just like Rich mentioned, you know, there. I mean, our association had 125 members, I think it was, and we figured that that's about 25% of the PIs that are actually in Colorado, and, and it may be more or less. Um, and we just started gathering. We had to do all our research and, and get as many names as possible and start contacted them, and I think I ended up with 350 confirmed PIs in Colorado, and there was more mm-hmm. than that, obviously. And then we went to our state associations like Cali and Tally and Fally and, and even the smaller ones, and we even went to some that had no licensing. Uh, Mississippi and Alabama was two we heard from because they wrote letters explaining, you know, why they support it and why they want it for their own state. So we went to as, as much as we could to get those licenses for coal that uh, Rich mentioned was one we had. Um, so we we focused on, on concerns of legislative issues, and, and we had two things happen. One, we had somebody who was stalked by a PI um, testify several times, so that was helpful. And the other was we actually had somebody send a letter from prison that was later emailed to our association that they were looking forward to getting out of prison here. Okay. So that oh, great. They could, because they were convicted of felony, I want to say it was rape, um, which is a felony anyhow, but um, yeah. but they were felony. I'm sure he's in Mississippi and, now. He probably, <laughs> he he probably, might be. And, yeah, yeah. But he just said that, you know, he could do this because he knew what it would take, you know, to, you know, <laughs> to, to get in the minds of these people and conduct good interviews. <laughs> and, oh, well, great. that's just not the way this flies, you know. So we were able to use little tidbits of information and we kept track of, and um, we were able to use arguments of people that had become opposed against themselves, and that became good. So we it just took a lot of work. But like Rich said, though, the people that we thought we would get support from, who normally support our our, our profession, wouldn't support it because they don't support government licensing. Yeah. 
and that was that was actually the big hurdle um, that that to get through. You know, legislative wise, committee wise, was that one. I, I hear that hey, all guys, the time. Guys, we need to take a quick break. Sure. Uh, just for a second. What do you, what do you think about PI licensing? We'll be right back. News. Opinion. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. Need to hire a private investigator? Ask for their professional association affiliations. When an investigator asks Francie Kaler about associations, she says to first join a state trade association. Francie belongs to the California Association of Licensed Investigators, or CALI. It's the largest association of its kind in the world. CALI's main focus is networking, training, and legislative advocacy. If you need a detective in California, contact CALI at cali-pi.org or call one 800 350 C-A-L-I. For a national association, Francie's choice is the National Council of Investigation and Security Services, or NCISS. For over 35 years, the council's primary mission has been to represent its members before the United States Congress and governmental agencies. Find the council at NCISS.org or call 1-800-445-8408. NCISS and Cali are great places to look for a qualified private investigator. Tell them you heard it from Francie on P.I.'s Declassified. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. You're listening to P.I.'s Declassified with Francie Kaler. You can call into the program. We'll take questions and comments at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You can also email your question to Francie. Send it to francie at pisdeclassified.com. Now, here's Francie Kaler. I'm speaking with two individuals who have considerable experience in working on getting a licensed law in their state for private investigators, Mississippi and Colorado, private investigators Richard Brooks and Dean Beers. So, you know, uh, Richard and Dean, you know, I think that maybe um, consumers and legislators don't understand what is uh, when you have a licensed law, for example, I know in California, for example, you have to submit your fingerprints that go into California Department DOJ and the FBI. So if you have a situation like you're talking about, if you have a rape, uh, somebody's convicted of domestic violence even, uh, that would go into a database that would be highlighted once, once your fingerprints were submitted, so we're talking. We're not talking about the kind of background checks. I think that most people think of background checks. Um, they think of going door to door and asking people questions, you know, about somebody. But this is actually a fingerprint, um, fingerprint deal. So if those crimes were reported to these national and state databases, then it would become clear that uh, this person probably should get a license. Right, and that's what I was. That's what I was. I meant to say, but that—that's what our bill would have called for: fingerprint yeah. cards. Uh, you know, and that's my God. If we could just get that, 
You yeah, know, just, exactly. Just tell us what's on his record. You know, we, we would be thrilled with that. Well, you know, I haven't been that familiar with what goes on in Mississippi, but I certainly was familiar with what was going on in Colorado. There was a lot of unscrupulous people that were hanging their shingle out as a private investigator that was causing the, the rest of the country problems. Yeah, and, oh. and that was a big problem. And, you know, you, you touched on a good point, Francie, with the fingerprints. You know, in Colorado and I think most states, you know, once your fingerprint for your profession is there, whether it be teachers, real estate agents, PIs, and you, you know, you're arrested and fingerprinted and that's submitted, it's, it's flagged and it pops up and, and, it, and it's nationwide. So it's not just Colorado. Um, and it's check nationwide. So it works for people going across state lines, coming from an unlicensed state to a licensed state and things like that. Um, so I think that's important. But I, I want to back up to your question about what it took. And I just want to point out that what it really took was the help of our members and even our non-members that, that wrote letters, testified, and the work of the board of, of PPIC particularly. Um, Ryan Johnson's now our president. Uh, Steve Davis was the president, and Ryan was the VP of Legislative Affairs. And that was just currently uh, what, during licensing. And, and then we had... Uh, Andrea Orozco, who is now our VP of Legislative Affairs and was previously on the board, and Robert Orozco, her husband, who is president. I mean, there were just so many people involved, and some of these people, uh, Ryan for one and Andrea now for another, spent literally days, every day, all day sometimes, at their own cost and expense and losing business revenue, you know, pushing this stuff forward and talking to legislators, testifying. Uh, they were going to go testify today, but that got changed, but... You know, so these are volunteers that Rich knows, you know, Francie. I mean, volunteers mm -hmm. that give a lot of time right. and effort just just to better the profession for everybody else. And I think we need to appreciate that. Um, Absolutely. And, and, you know, really, the consumers coming in don't understand what we do, let alone why we want to do it. And it took educating DORA uh, meetings uh, time after time, again, our regulatory agency, uh, to understand why you know, we're not fond of licensing as a, generally, but why it was so important to us to protect the consumers and protect our profession. Absolutely. So, yeah. And, you know, Richard, I'm, I'm totally astonished that you, uh, your association had applications from people from prison and people that would readily admit <laughs> their background and say that was a, a, a good experience to become a private investigator. I, that's just astonishing. Well, you know, so the, some of them uh, w would admit to having lost a license, but for the most part, you know, you, the only way we knew anything was to, you know, start the start doing backgrounds, r running them through databases, and then from there, especially after I became president and after I went one term, two terms, three terms, you know, we we got a lot more, and and, and the more I got involved in licensure, we got a lot more aggressive, where we'd actually go out and physically check these people's business addresses. Uh, you know, I mean, it's it's absurd that we have to do that mm -hmm. as an association. And some people have accused me and accused us of, you know, having these ridiculous restrictions and guidelines because I did have to change the bylaws. To be a member of the MPIA now, to be a full member, you have to be a resident of Mississippi. You have to be a registered voter. I mean, you know, all, all wow. this ridiculous stuff only because there's no way to vet Members. I mean, we have associate memberships from people outside the state, but, and I've always said that if we ever can get licensing passed, then we can relax a lot of those, gui those, those guidelines mm -hmm. and requirements. 
but you know we, we had to do that because we've got people who says oh I've got an office in Mississippi and they don't we'll go there it'll be a vacant building uh, it, or they can't get licensed in another state so they move over here I mean I know I know a PI in the Mobile area and uh, I've, I've known him for years and he's a convicted felon and he was never concerned about licensing passing in Alabama he said it's never going to pass in Mississippi and Alabama well it did so guess what he did now he he's opened, Mississippi <laughs> he op- well it's funny you say that he opened up shop in two places Mississippi and Colorado uh-huh they got an office right now in Durango, and that was the next thing. Well, they're never going to pass licensure in those states. His wife's got family there or something like that. Well, then they passed. They, they had uh, voluntary licensing in Colorado. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they weren't worried about that. Well, now that they've got mandatory licensing in Colorado, I think he still got around it by putting everything in his wife's name. But, you know, they, they tried to open up shop here, and they applied for membership under a different name. And you know we we had to we had to get to the bottom of that. But you know we have to do all these. You know we don't. It's it's not that we don't want to grow. I mean we need a huge association, and we want as many members as we can get. But you know I'm always on TV or on the radio telling people that if you need a PI in Mississippi, you better choose one that's a member of the MPIA because that's the only place that you will find a PI that's been vetted or had some kind of background. So, you know, for me to be out there saying that, then we, we got to do it. You know, we, we've got to run a background on these people. Yeah, and it's sad, you know, because usually it's, it's the, person, the people that are most vulnerable to get the unscrupulous PI. Mm-hmm. That's right. And, you know, and unethical, you know, taking money and not. And, you know, it's so hard to put a number or even try to figure out how many PIs there are because, you know, you the people will open up shop every day you know they leave the police department or they you know retire or get fired or whatever and you know there's a uh, there there's a constable in this area who was thrown out of office from embezzlement and had a felony and all that kind of stuff and and uh, of course he's a PI uh and and those people and he's friends with a lot of attorneys and and they're against licensing uh I just investigated uh, another uh, he was an elected, like a constable, another police officer, uh, and he was involved in marijuana and things like this, and it made the news. Well, of course, when he didn't get reelected, guess what he's doing now? <laughs> you know, yeah, uh, yep. and, you know. So these people are just opening up shop every day, and you know, you can walk. I tell people all the time, you can walk out of prison for rape and start your PI company in the morning, and most citizens just don't believe it. They just don't believe it. They're saying, yeah, that's, that's not true. You know, that's a bunch of BS. There's no way somebody can. And, you know, I explained to a legislature, and maybe you can help me figure out a better way to explain it to them. That when, when, when I talked earlier about IRB, TLO, and databases and things like that, people who call themselves PIs can get access to these databases. Now, I've talked to people at IRB and TLO. They don't like it. But when somebody applies from a non-licensed state like Mississippi, they can't just say, well, you can't have access to our database because you're from a non-licensed state. You have to fill out the application and all that, and they'll ask for your license. And I've never had that problem because I've always had licenses. But if you don't have a license, there's nothing you can give them. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, TLO makes it a little difficult because they'll do a home inspection. Yeah, site inspection, yeah. That's, that's right. They do all that. But most of those companies do not. 
And well, if you have access to that as a quote-unquote PI, you can run backgrounds on anybody and figure out where they live. And let me just say that the, the companies, for the listeners, these companies who are talking about IRB, Search, and TLO, these are proprietary databases that unless you have the credentials, you can't have access to. So, so there's a huge problem when you're uh, coming from an unlicensed state because they don't have anything to check. That's right. That's right. Uh, you know, and, and I, I understand their problem. I mean, you know, their business, they, they, want, they want to sell their product, but what do you do? You know, you've got a guy who's never been a PI, but he's got a quote-unquote business license from the county that says he's a PI, and that's all that's required. Mm-hmm. So, you know, what, what are they supposed to do? That's such the irony of the whole thing, and it's hard to be in business as a legitimate PI when you can't get access to some of those databases. Um, I was able to, but I had to prove to TLO or IRB or whoever the case may be that I had through that I was a member of associations that did backgrounds. So a PPIC did a background, a very thorough one, no fingerprint, but they did the best they could otherwise. Uh, NALI, the National Association of Legal Investigators, you know, did a background and NCISS, uh, the National Council of Investigation and Security Services, you know, verifies the credentials that are presented and, and checks anything questionable. So that was the only thing we could do, and we did use, we told the legislators, it's not up to these associations to regulate and protect the consumer, because like Rich mentioned earlier, it's a private association, you can't. But we do our best that we can, but it's not the same. There's no recourse um, that that an association can do, and it's expensive for a consumer to take their own private recourse, even if they realize they can through like civil court or filing charges, so they may need to be able to go make a complaint. You know where somebody can can vet that and and address that administratively. Plus, if it's something minor that the PI didn't know they shouldn't do, perhaps they're fined and maybe their license is suspended. But then they don't end up with a criminal record or or a high civil penalty or defense for something that maybe they forgot to turn in a report timely, like the statute requires, and and mm-hmm. so they're fined instead of you know something else that happens. So there's benefits to it as well, and we had to really work hard to explain those benefits to our PIs, friends and colleagues and members, as well as to the legislators and and then work on educating consumers. So it's a a long process, but it's worth it. It is worth it. It is worth it. And, you know, we're... (laughs) Unfortunately, we are almost out of time here, but this is an ongoing discussion, and Richard, you certainly have my support. I know you have Dean's support. Uh, this is this is one of those battles that I think probably happens in the back offices when you're talking to people and not you know not in front of a legislature where there's the vote. It, it has to be all uh, you have to get that support ahead yeah, of time. And, and, yeah. And- and people have preconceived notions about, you know, licensing and mm-hmm. bureaucratic red tape and, oh, you're, you're a liberal, you want more regulation. Right. And I'm like, yeah, no, I don't. <laughs> Nobody wants more regulation. I don't want to pay for this either. But what, do, what choice do we have? We don't have a choice. I know. We pay it, for it one way or the other. That's yeah, right. That's exactly right. You pay for it one way or the other. So, Richard, thank you so much for taking the time to be on the show, and Dean, for you ca- for calling in. I know licensing is very, very important to both of you. I think I need to move yeah. to Colorado. Is what I need. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you, Rich, and thank you, Francie, and of course, we'll help any way we can. Yeah, absolutely. We'll help any way we can if I can uh, 
I'll work on California to help you some out, some more, Richard. <laughs> well, thank you both. I, I hope to see you. I'll be at uh, Nally's conference uh, next month. I hope to uh, maybe I'll see you guys. I don't know if you're well. Fortunately, I can't go, but uh, I've got another commitment. But um, but I know it's going to be a great conference, and uh, I know you you guys are really going to enjoy it. So thank you, everybody, for listening to the show. If you're interested in advertising on PIs Declassified, give me a call or send me an email. Tune in again next week as we declassify more real stories from real investigators. Richard Brooks and Dean Beers, it's PIs Declassified. I'm Francie Kaler. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to P.I.'s Declassified with your host, Francie Kaler. Tune in every Thursday at noon Eastern Time. That's 9 a.m. for you West Coast listeners. P.I.'s Declassified explores stories of deceit, mystery, and detectives unraveling the truth. Every Thursday at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific Time, here on the Voice America Variety Channel. 